Yes. Say that with me. I'm running a race. I'm running a race. Oh, now that didn't sound like you're running a race. Come on. How about a little enthusiasm? No, if you don't talk, you know, there's no food for you this afternoon. <laughs> I hear something good God has prepared. <laughs> Come on. I'm running a race. Running a, race. A, great race. a great race. A race of faith. I'm running it with the power of the Holy Spirit. And my eyes are on the goal. And I'm going to finish it. And I'm going to get my reward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Such a joy to be here. And I wanted to tell, thank Pastor Caleb and the family for giving me the opportunity to be here again. It was just a quick trip, but it's going to be a great time here. And uh, please be praying for my nation. Uh, just 1.4 billion people, you know, just a small number of people. But uh, each one is a living soul. They were created by God. It's not an accident. We're not having an overpopulation or anything like that. Everybody is there because God created them, and he has a plan for them. The good news is we have to keep telling people about who Christ is and the great love he has for them, the unconditional love. And that love has caused him to lay down his life for each one of them. And the full price has been paid for the forgiveness of everyone. Full price has already been paid. The full price has been paid for the curse to be broken. The full price has been paid for our physical bodies to be healed. The full price has been broken for every curse, financial poverty, everything to be broken so that we can have access to the promises and provision of God. You believe that? Amen. Oh, you got to put your hands up Amen. and say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. It's a good deal. Serving God. <laughs> Amen. And um, so please be praying for my nation. Uh, as, uh, as the scripture says, where grace abounds, you know, the Bible says sin abounds, but I think where grace abounds, a lot of persecution also abounds. <laughs> and so be praying for our nation. We have great doors open, but uh, there's also much uh, adversity. But uh, we serve a great God who does spectacular miracles. That's the thing that we should all remember. It's not us somehow making it. There is always that divine intervention, the divine manifestation of his power. So we should always remember that. So what looks impossible to man is possible with God. This morning, I want to speak to you about cultivating the mind of Christ. Cultivating the mind of Christ. What a, great, what a great blessing that we could have the mind of Christ. If you look in the Bible, the book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we know the life of Jesus as we read the Gospels. You know, he was sent by God. 
he lived a successful life in the, from the perspective of he was able to do everything God had planned for him to do. He fulfilled the divine mandate. You never read in the Bible that Jesus was depressed or Jesus was overwhelmed or Jesus said, you know, I don't think I can handle this. You see him able to hear God, rely on the Holy Spirit, filled with the word of God, Going every place God told him to go, he was never in the wrong place, ever. He was always in the right place, saying the right thing. God may send him across a stormy sea just to go deliver one man from demon possession, and he would do it. He was always led by God. Now, how is it possible? Because he was given a mind that was renewed by the word because he was fully man, he was fully God. So he didn't have anything extra that we don't have. And he was able to rely on God, rely on the word, and his mind was renewed. He was able to face persecution. He was able to face uh, treachery. He was able to face, you know, falsehood. Everything that came his way, he was able to face, and yet he was victorious. And that's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you, even that which was in Christ Jesus. So the question is, what kind of mind that God has planned for each one of us? <coughs> we all know we have a mind. But there is a mind that God has for us. God has planned for us to have the victorious mind of Jesus Christ. Now, today, you may have listened to the lies of the enemy or things that have happened over a course of time in your life where you're beginning to doubt. You know, do I even have the right ability or mind to handle all these things? I want to encourage you, reject those thoughts and look at what God has planned for us. God has planned for every one of us. Doesn't matter where we are from, what our background is, where we are in society irrespective of that, our God has planned for every one of his sons and daughters the victorious mind of Jesus Christ. Why do we need it? So that we can think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, share the good news like Jesus, demonstrate the power of God like Jesus, subdue the devil like Jesus. That's what God has planned for us. Excuse me. God has planned for us to possess a sound mind. He has planned for us a sound mind. A mind, think about this, a mind that is 100% free. If we will examine our minds, there are, there are some clutter there. There are things that are holding us back. Because we are looking at it through natural eyes, through our own ability, through our background, what we can do, cannot do. But can, can you imagine a mind that is renewed by the word of God, controlled and possessed by the Holy Spirit, where we are able to have a free mind, not partially free, but a hundred percent free mind, a hundred percent pure mind, pure mind, a hundred percent healthy mind. Today, if you look at the news, they're always talking about mental illness. They are right. The solution is not more money and therapy or medication. The solution is 
a mind that is renewed by the word of God and controlled by the Holy Spirit. God has a 100% healthy mind, a 100% renewed mind, a 100% victorious mind for every one of us. <coughs> Say this with me. Everybody ready? Are you ready to shout? You brought your voice with you? I didn't hear you. We are not persecuted. We have to be so quiet. This is not an underground church. This is an open church. Amen. Come on, put your hands up. Say this with me. My God. God. Oh, no, no, no. You got to say something better. My My God has planned. For me to have a hundred percent free, hundred percent healthy, hundred percent pure, hundred percent renewed, one hundred percent victorious, mind of Christ. Hallelujah! Are you joyful? Oh, let's get rid of this mind that's holding us back. Right? So, cultivating the mind of Christ is a spiritual discipline. It's not we hear a message one time and it's just going to happen. It's a spiritual discipline. You know, people discipline themselves to do many things. If you're going to be a high-performing athlete, you're disciplining yourself every day. You know, there are, there are exercises you do. You do certain things to discipline yourself. People who are... Like a scientist or researcher, they have disciplined themselves to study, to go through intense study and research. Similarly, believers are called to discipline ourselves. There are spiritual disciplines, like reading the Word. It's a spiritual discipline. We just don't read it haphazardly. We read it with purpose and intent to receive it. You know, you, you just don't read it. You, you, you can hear the word. That's the easiest way to, uh, under, you know, intake Bible. Second, you read. Third, you study. You memorize. And you meditate. When you do these types of things, the word really gets into your spirit. So similarly, cultivating the mind of Christ is a spiritual discipline. The plan of God from the beginning of time is to conform every one of us into the image of his son, whom God predestined or pre-chose. He has conformed them to the image of his son. This is a decision God made in the beginning of time. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. But we know that when he is revealed... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Look at that. We know that when he is revealed, that is, when Christ comes back, we shall be like him. We are going to be changed. That's always the plan of God. We will see him as he is. So before the beginning of time, God already made a decision to change each one of us into the image of his son. And it's going to be fulfilled when Christ comes. But now in between period, what happens? That is where we are studying the word, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring transformation in our hearts and minds. And this mind is being cultivated so that we can face our everyday challenge and walk in victory. The mind of Christ, operating in the mind of Christ, 
enables us to be effective witnesses. Every one of us, yes, we have jobs, we have different things we do, but there is something we are all called to do, that is tell other people about Jesus. It could be someone traveling with you. It could be somebody in a gas station or in a grocery store. Continuously, we are to tell someone about Jesus Christ. Only when we take that step of faith, you'll be surprised as to how open the other person is, how receptive they are. They are desperate. There is a need in their lives. And the Spirit of God is your active, invisible partner there. He will take your words and bring life into that person and deliver that person. And that's how we make disciples, bring them into church, and the church grows. So we are to be effective witnesses, but we need the mind of Christ to be effective witnesses and to make disciples. The victorious mind of Christ enables us to face every circumstance, every temptation, every attack of the enemy in this life from a position of victory. Believers, we operate from a position of victory. We do not operate from a position of defeat. We operate from a strong position of victory where God himself has planted us. Now today, you may look at your circumstance and be overwhelmed. (coughs) Excuse me. But God says... I have placed you in a position of victory. You are in Christ. The Spirit of God is living inside you. You are born again. You are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. You are operating from a position of victory. You have the power of God inside you right now. I don't have to lay hands on anybody to to say you have the power of God. The power of God comes from God. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, you know, it talks about the power of God, how it is immeasurable. It is surpassingly great. And it is within you. It is for you who know him. And it is there because we believe in him. We believe in Christ. It's our belief in Christ that releases that unlimited power of God in our lives. We operate from a position of victory. That's why this scripture is important. Romans 8.37 says, Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. Whatever is the circumstance... We are more than conquerors. We are the only group of people who can walk into any battle already knowing what the end result is going to be. We are not going to be chewed up in the process. We are not going to be crushed in that process. It may look like it's going to crush you. It may look like it's going to overwhelm you. It may look like you're going to drown. But the word of God says in all things. Come on, somebody say that with me. In all things. Oh no, come on, let's mean it. In all things. Put emphasis on that all. In all things, I am more than a conqueror. Look at your neighbor and say, you are more than a conqueror. You know what that means? You are a superior conqueror. You're a first class conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You are a one of a kind conqueror. You like those words? You're not smiling. (laughs) All right. The truth is this. No matter what the circumstances are, our God has not planned any defeats for us. 
but total victory. We have to operate from that mindset. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says that God has given us a sound mind. God has given us a sound mind. Every born-again believer already has this sound mind. You know, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us. See, given us. It's already there. A spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, what does the sound mind mean? Well, I'll take that water. (laughs) The sound mind means a mind that is saved and protected. That's what the word sound means. Thank you very much. The sound mind means a mind that is saved and protected. Hallelujah. Say that with me. I have a mind that is saved and it is protected. Hallelujah. It is a mind. It describes a mind that has been rescued, revived, salvaged, and protected because God himself has cleansed our mind with the precious blood of Jesus and he has breathed life into this mind. Hallelujah. We have a sound mind. We need that sound mind to live in this world. And that's why God says, I have given you a sound mind. We must thank God for the sound mind every day. We must possess it by faith every day. We should activate it through the word of God and live in the strength of that mind on a daily basis. You know, the background for the scripture is very important. The Apostle Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the scripture to his spiritual son, Timothy. He's pastoring a church in Ephesus. It's the church that the Apostle Paul personally birthed as a result of three years of ministry. They say it was one of the largest churches ever. And then he continues to go to other places to preach the gospel and leaves Timothy as the pastor. Shortly thereafter, empire while Roman empire while persecution breaks out. And because this church is so prominent, there's a lot of scrutiny, attention, believers are being detained, arrested, thrown in jail, people are leaving into and disappearing into the countryside. You can imagine, you have a massive church and you're shrinking, you know, in front of your eyes. Can you imagine the lies that the devil would have told Timothy? He would have probably told him, you know, you are no good. If only the apostle Paul was here, this wouldn't happen. You don't have what he has. There's something wrong with you. You don't have the leadership ability. People don't like you. You know, you don't know how to preach them. I don't know the lies that were spoken to Timothy, but Paul was well aware that Timothy's mind is under a siege. as a barrage of fiery darts that the enemy is sending against Timothy's mind. And he writes to him, God has not given us. See, he includes him. He doesn't say you. He, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's what is happening to Timothy. Even his elders don't want to be seen with him. Can you imagine? He feels lonely. You know, pastoring this church, wondering why he ever even showed up in Ephesus. But the word of the Lord comes to him. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Your power over this wicked work of the devil that's going on right now. He says, you have given us a spirit of power and of love. You don't need to hate anything. You have the power of love. 
And you have a sound mind, a mind that is saved, a mind that is salvaged, a mind that is revived. Because once when we were dead in sin, our minds were soaked in sin. We didn't even know we were dead. It's from that place God has revived, salvaged us, and restored us, and renewed our mind. Hallelujah. That's why we have a sound mind. The Bible says... When sin entered into this world, it corrupted everything. It corrupted man's heart, his mind, his body, his uh, every part of his life, his relationship with God. Everything was corrupted, especially the heart and mind. To such an extent that Jeremiah prophesies in chapter 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. The heart has been so corrupted by sin. But something wonderful happens when we are born again. Our hearts and minds are cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. It is saved, it's rescued, and protected by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, God describes the last days by using this word, perilous. Perilous, you would have heard the term. What is this word, perilous? It means something that is difficult, dangerous, and filled with risk. The times that you and I are living right now can be considered as the last days. We do not know exactly when the very, very last day is. That is in, privy to God. But we know we are living in the last days. And God says it's going to be perilous. It's for everybody. Not just for the unbeliever, but for the believer too. It's difficult time. It is dangerous time. And it is filled with risk. So we need a mind that is renewed by the word of God, totally controlled and directed by the Holy Spirit to face every persecution, every trial, every opposition, every danger, every temptation, and every wicked assault of the enemy against our lives. That's the time we live in, but with a mind that is renewed by the word of God, controlled by the Holy Spirit, that mind of Christ, we can face anything. Amen. Say that with me. With the mind of Christ. A mind that is renewed by the Word. Controlled and directed by the Holy Spirit. I can face any circumstance. I can overcome any circumstance. And walk in the victory. That Jesus paid for. Hallelujah. You see our victory is not just a word. It is paid for. It's paid for. There may be times that uh, you know somebody gave you a gift or something. It's already paid for. It's a wonderful blessing to have it. Our victory. Over every challenge we are faced with today. Or we are going through something. That which may come in the future is already paid for by the suffering, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so why is our mind so important? The main battlefield is the mind. 
The mind is the main battlefield where Satan and his principalities must be fought. This is where victory has to be ensured. Our victory has to be won. It always is in the mind. The mind is the very center of man's existence. His innermost being, our heart and mind. These, the word heart and mind is used interchangeably in the New Testament. And they are the center of our existence. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 23.7, a familiar scripture. For as he, that is a man, thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever we are thinking right now, that is what we are. That's how we will speak. That's how our actions will be. So whatever is in our hearts right now is determines who we are. What's in our heart determines who we are. Let's look at Jesus to see how he describes the importance of the heart. He's explaining to his disciples the source from which man is defiled or corrupted or where sin is conceived. You read this in Mark chapter 7 verses 21, 22 and 23. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible. For from within, he's talking about the heart. That is out of the hearts of men come base and wicked thoughts. Sexual immorality. Stealing, murder, adultery, coveting, a greedy desire to have more wealth, dangerous and destructive wickedness, deceit, unrestrained, indecent conduct, the evil eye of envy, slander, which means evil speaking, malicious misrepresentation, abusiveness, pride, which is the sin of an uplifted heart against God and man. Foolishness, folly, lack of sense, recklessness, thoughtlessness. All these evil purposes and desires come from within. And they make the man unclean and render him unhallowed. So here God, Jesus is very clear. He lists all these things. And says, these things come from inside. That is how we were before we were born again. This was all built inside because we were born with a sinful nature. So it's the heart. That's the center of our existence. That's why we are most vulnerable there. Then he told the Pharisees in Mark chapter 12, verses 34 and 35. Mark 12 34, 35, Amplified Bible, you offspring of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil and wicked? How can you speak good things when your heart is evil and wicked? For out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man, from his inner good treasure, flings forth good things. And the evil man, out of the inner evil storehouse, flings forth evil things. <clears throat> Here God compares our heart to a treasure house. He cannot force us to store anything in our heart. Neither does the devil has the authority to store anything in our heart. We do it. 
we store either good things or bad things. But these two script, these scriptures, especially these words of Jesus, show us clearly that man's innermost being, our center of his existence, our being, is the heart and mind. That's where either good thoughts or evil thoughts reside. They just didn't come just like that. Somebody had to store it, and out of the fullness, things come out. Our words and actions are determined by what is already stored in our heart. Now, in the, in, the, in the the Greek word for the word heart is cardia. That's where you get the word cardiology, the study about the heart, or cardiologist. It means it includes man's entire mental and moral activity. That is the inner man. It is recognized as the place where emotions, desires, perceptions, thoughts, understanding, reasoning powers, conscience, intentions... The will and imagination reside. So you can see all these things are, are all functioning out of the heart, are, are rising up from the heart. That's why our heart and mind is so important. And the meaning for the word mind, the mental functions of perception, understanding, knowing, feeling, judging, determining... The mind is comprised of the will, emotions, thoughts, and imagination. The meaning overlaps. So you understand why our heart and mind is important. That's why God is taking time to help us understand. The devil knows that. That's why he's focusing all of his attacks against our hearts and minds. It is in our hearts and minds that today... The enemy is way or unleashing his all-out war. The war that we are fighting is not against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against people or circumstances. It is not a mental battle that can be fought with positive mental thinking. It cannot be fought with just intellectual knowledge. It cannot be fought with psychological techniques it cannot be fought with our limited mental abilities. This is a spiritual battle. And it must be fought and won by the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside us right now. Amen. That's the only way we can take control of our hearts and minds. Bring our hearts and minds under the control of the Holy Spirit so that he can control it, speak through it, help us to think the way Jesus thought, act the way Jesus taught, acted, speak the way he did, do the things that we need to do, which will result in the fulfillment of abundant life in our lives. So we see that what we store in our hearts and minds are revealed through our words and actions, and that's why the scripture in Proverbs said, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This also helps us to understand why Satan wants to attack our minds. So what is Satan's strategy? What is Satan's strategy? We have to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. Come on, can we go some more? We're not just going to go just a mile or two. We want to go all the way. Can we go all the way? Amen. All right. 
Oh, only two people said something. We need a hundred person, you know, understanding here. Come on, can we go some more? Yes. yes. You all need to smile a little bit more. <laughs> all right. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. The, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Say that with me. Lest Satan... Now, this is God's word. We can speak boldly, you know. Just getting in agreement with God. That's all. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So God is revealing to the Apostle Paul. See, he's using the word us. Should not gain advantage of us. So Paul and his team are needing understanding. They are obeying God, going into places where the gospel has not been preached, preaching the gospel, train, making disciples, raising up leaders, establishing churches, but they are getting clobbered. And they need to know what's going on. We are not disobeying God. We're showing up every place God tells us to go. You know, God actually gives him a vision. Come to Macedonia and preach. Man wants to stay in Ephesus, so he leaves everything, goes to Macedonia. What happens? He's beat and thrown in a dungeon. That didn't sound like, you know, a very uplifting moment, but he was in the right place. But God is trying to help him understand. That's why this scripture is written. God is revealing to the Apostle Paul that Satan is seeking ways to take advantage of him and his team. Now the word advantage, this is the meaning, to outwit, to trick, to take advantage of someone through some sinister or evil means. So the devil is always trying to outwit, trying to take advantage of us through some evil means. In other words, the devil wants to control something so desperately. This is an important word. He wants to control something so desperately that he's willing to do anything to get what he wants. So what does the devil want? What does he want to control? He wants to control us. That's his only goal. He wants to control us, especially our hearts and our minds. That's why the Apostle Paul says, we are not ignorant of his devices. So when we have an enemy who hates us so much and is willing to take any action to control us, to destroy us, we simply cannot afford to be ignorant. When we have an enemy who hates us so much, who is willing to take any action, to control us, to destroy us, we cannot afford to be ignorant. That's why the Apostle Paul says, we are not ignorant of his devices. Now what does this word ignorant mean? A lack of certain facts. You don't find it in the library. You have to look at the word of God. The facts are here. This is where we go. It's making mistakes. Due to a lack of understanding. How many times we have realized after a fact, boy, the devil really took advantage of me there. 
You see, that's what God wants to help us avoid. Everything we need for victory has been provided. Today, our ignorance and lack of understanding is about the word of God. We are not knowing God's word. We don't know the promises of God. Or about spiritual warfare. We, sometimes we think, oh man, you know, I, I, I'm a peace-loving person. I don't want to get into war. Brother, the moment you were born again, you were thrust into an ongoing war. Put on the armor and just start fighting. And you will be victorious. We need to know about spiritual warfare. The power and authority that God has given every one of us. It doesn't matter how strong you feel today or how weak you are. The power of God and the authority of God is not based on your physical strength. How you feel is not based on your feeling. It is something that God's given and he expects us to use it like Jesus and see the results in our lives as Jesus saw in his ministry. We have been given it. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, put your hands up. Say, thank you for your word. For your your all-powerful word. word. Unchanging promises. promises. For your power. Your Your authority. authority. You have given me. Hallelujah. Now, smile, everybody. It's good. I should take a picture. (laughs) God has given us power over the devil and over all of his wicked schemes. It doesn't matter what the devil comes with. God God already knows what he's up to. We may not know, but because he is with us and we are actively listening to him, we will be protected and we will subdue the enemy. The Apostle Paul had to learn these things because he faced problems. He faced problems with people, religious leaders, governmental leaders, and even with some of his friends. You know, once he was uh, standing before Caesar, you know, there's a trial going on. So he makes a presentation. He's brought some of his friends with him who most of them he led to the Lord, discipled. He's feeding them and paying for their, uh, you know, motel and everything, everywhere they're going. He turns and looks. They all disappeared. There was not one of them there. And the Bible says, he says how God stood with him and helped him and rescued him from the mouth of the lion, talking about Nero. So he had to deal with all kinds of issues that, you know, sometimes we may not have dealt with. He was thrown in prison, cast into sea, beaten during times of persecution. Traps were constantly set for this man's capture. He constantly had to be on the lookout for people who tried to use him or take advantage of him. And the truth was, Paul could not afford to be in the dark spiritually about how Satan operated. Paul could not afford to be in the dark about how Satan operated, and neither should we. It's not just for Paul. It's for me. It's for you. Paul goes on to say, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, this word devices is a very interesting word. The root word for this is the same word for the mind or intellect. So it describes, when the, the word devices describes a mind that's always scheming, calculating, 
conniving, devious, shrewd, sly, and clever. It describes the mind of the devil. So the devil cannot think one good thought. Every time he's thinking, it's always scheming, calculating, conniving, devious, shrewd, sly. This should alert us to that important fact that the devil is always scheming, conniving to hurt a believer, injure a believer, or try to destroy a a person's plans or health or marriage or business or family. This enemy simply wants to find some way to ruin the life of a believer. That's what this word means. That's why God uses this word. He gives Paul this word to write down. We are not, you know, ignorant of Satan's devices. So it helps us to know why it is so important, why our mind and our heart is so important and what God has planned for us. So this demonic process or this demonic plan must be stopped and destroyed by the power of God. We cannot afford, it cannot, it's not going to go away. Point is, you and I cannot ignore it. We cannot say, well, you know, after a while, you know, devil will go find something. Uh-uh. He's not going anywhere. His job is to destroy people. That's what Jesus said. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we have to be alert. That's what God is telling us. His devices are to ruin people's lives, their marriage, the lives of their children. So when things are going wrong in your home or in your personal life, don't look for a natural reason or a cause. Remember that you have an adversary who's willing to do anything to destroy you. It is time that we resist him, stand against him with the power of God and the word of God. So, when you see a nation being destroyed, it's not because, you know, certain people are, are in positions of power. It's a demonic attack. When you see the things that you hear these days in the news or the decisions that are being made, we are not supposed to sit back and go, oh boy, that's really bad. We are to immediately pray and bind the devil because you have the authority. You can say, brother, I live in Shelbyville or I live in Wadi. What can I do? No, no, no. Your power is, your prayer is powerful. You've been given authority by Jesus. A delegated authority has been given to you. It's like this. You know, the state of Kentucky has given the police and the state troopers in this, uh, in this uh, great state to enforce the laws of the state, right? If there is an older policeman who stands on the road and puts his hand for you to stop, you don't look at him and say, well, he's 70 years old. Why should I stop for him? Do you ever do that? No. You stop. Why? Because he has a badge of authority. Right? The state has empowered him to enforce the laws of the state. So it doesn't matter whether he's 90 years old or 120. If he puts his hand and tells you to stop, you stop. Now he may take five minutes to walk from here to there, but he can still give you a ticket and lock you up. The same is true for you. You have a badge of authority. And the devil recognizes that. He may not have much respect for me, but he recognizes the fact that Christ is in me and he has given me authority over the devil. And he will obey. 
Oh, you've missed a great place to shout and dance. <laughs> Come on. God has given you authority. If you use it, you will be victorious. Yes. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody smile. No, we need a good smiling moment. (laughs) So, all the strategies that the devil is using against us, whether they are lies, deceptions, seductions, trickery, misrepresentation. This is a big successful tool the devil uses. Misrepresent everything. Misrepresentation, all these strategies that the devil has developed and is using against us today are always directed against our mind. Now, why is that? Because he does not want us as God's children to have a free, clean, healthy, renewed, victorious mind. His strategy is to attack and corrupt our minds and to hinder us from being transformed into the image of Jesus. See, that's what he doesn't want. What is God's plan? He wants to transform you into the image of his son. The victorious image of his son. That's what he wants to stop. And he knows the way to stop it is by attacking us in our minds and making us exhausted or depressed or oppressed that we just give up. That is not the plan of God. His strategy is to bombard our minds with fiery darts of unbelief, fear, confusion, temptation, depression, oppression, deceptions, evil desires, and lust of the flesh. He wants to fill us with the cares of the world so much that we have no time for Jesus Christ to spend time with him in his presence or in his word. His strategy is to make our minds feel so weak, so exhausted, that we become frustrated, filled with a sense of hopelessness and despair. This is what he tries to do. So next time you are filled with hopelessness, you are filled with despair, you want to throw your hands up, you want to throw in the towel, whatever is the phrase you want to use, it's time for you to know, I am under an attack, but I'm not a victim. God didn't save you. Fill you with the Holy Spirit and leave you at the mercy of the devil. He has anointed you. It It doesn't matter how you feel at that moment. It's time to rise up in faith and with the feeble strength you may have and say, in Jesus' name, Satan, you have no authority over me. I belong to God. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And the spirit of God indwells in me. You got to say it with your mouth. And the devil will recognize that you know who you are. And he will leave you alone. Come on, anybody ready for good news? One, two, three. No. Anybody ready for good news? I still, you know, come on, one more time. One more opportunity. You ready for some good news? Yes. Yes. The power of Satan over our mind has been broken by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now what provision has God made? God has made total provision for us to walk in victory over the enemy. Total provision. Say that with me. That's a nice word. Total provision. Total provision for victory. First, we are facing an enemy who is already defeated. Isn't that good news? The devil is already defeated. Jesus crushed his head on the cross. We are faced with an enemy who is already defeated. 2,000 years ago, the last words Jesus spoke through his mouth is, It 
is finished. What did it mean? That every wicked work of the devil has been crushed and broken. The price for sin has been paid. Price for sickness is to be healed has been paid. Price for our deliverance has been paid. Price for us to be transformed into the image. His own image has been paid. Hallelujah. It is finished. An important scripture I want everybody to memorize is 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the last portion of it. It says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He might destroy. Jesus did not come to push the devil to the side. Jesus did not come to just injure the devil. Jesus came to destroy. (coughs) Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So when you are going through a trial, you are going through a sickness, you are going through an unexpected challenge. Somebody has misunderstood you. Then all all of a sudden there is a fire raging. Your emotions are being under attack. You should say this with your mouth. For this reason, for this purpose, for what I'm going through right now, was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. This has already been destroyed and I am going to be victorious because Christ has paid the price. Come on, are you with me? Let's say that scripture together. Come on, everybody, put your hands up. Happy spirit. Uh, You know, a spirit of victory. Come on, you got got it? Ready? All right. For this purpose purpose. was the Son of God manifested manifested. that he might might destroy. destroy. You got to emphasize. Destroy. Destroy. One more time. Destroy Destroy. the works of the devil. second reason, second provision God has made is our sins are forgiven and we have a right relationship with God. Our sins are forgiven. We have a right relationship with God. We are God's property. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says, For sin shall no longer exert dominion over you. Since you are not under the law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. This is very crucial. What made us slaves to the devil? Because we were sinning. We, you know, we were born sinners. We were sinning. But once Christ saved us, sin shall not have dominion over us. We are clothed with the righteousness of God. He has declared that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. There is something that has changed. You don't belong to the devil. You've been ransomed out of the hands of the devil. So what happens when you are tempted or when you fall short? The Spirit of God will deal with your heart. Repent right there. Get right. Get right with God. Get strengthened in the Holy Spirit. To face that temptation next time and be victorious. Third, we are no longer living in the kingdom of darkness. Under Satan's dominion. You know, Satan is addressed as the prince of this world. 
not the earth of the world, the systems of the world, like the education system or the financial system, the political system, the entertainment system. He is the prince of the world. That's why they are so corrupted. They're so raunchy. There's nothing redeeming there. But we are now heirs and joint heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. You and I are heirs and joint heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God. That's another provision God has made. Fourth, God does not <clears throat> expect us to face Satan and his principalities with our own limited natural strength. We can never face the devil with our strength, with our mental abilities. That's why he has given us authority and power. Luke ten nineteen. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Not just some of the power. Over all the power of the enemy. You have that authority over the enemy. Fifth, God has given us powerful spiritual armor that makes us invulnerable and invincible against all of Satan's attacks against us. Now look at this wonderful scripture. You read this in, in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 and 12. It says, it's a command. Put on the whole armor of God. It's not a suggestion. It's not a request by God. It's a command. Just like we all get nice clothes on before we go out to work or to church. Every day we need to put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not <clears throat> wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against Spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. But again, focus on this. Put on the whole armor of God. The second line, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. The armor of God is not something to be put on to say, hey, look how nice armor I have. No, the armor of God is what's going to help us stand against the wiles of the enemy. It's so important. And uh, this is how we demolish every stronghold of the enemy until they are non-existent in our hearts and minds. Our victory over the devil is not just automatic. You're born again, that, is not, that doesn't guarantee victory. Until we put on the whole armor of God and engage the devil in battle and exercise the authority that God's given us, we cannot walk in victory. Why are so many believers walking in defeat today? Because they have never taken an offensive position against the devil. They have never taken an offensive position. They have always allowed the enemy to have the first say, given the enemy the first blow. They never took the battle to the devil. They never counterattacked with the weapons that God has provided for them. And that's what changes when our minds are renewed. You can see it in a distance. God will alert you. You can immediately begin to pray and fast and build the supernatural protection that's provided for us and, and protect yourself, your family, your, everything God's given you from the assaults of the enemy. Brother Caleb, how are we doing on time? Oh, <laughs> hey, I come from a long ways away, so be, 
merciful to me. <laughs> okay, quickly. Here are four strategies that we can follow. There are others. You know, God probably has revealed other things to you, but I just want to bring at least four strategies how we can cultivate the mind of Christ every day in our lives. Number one, we must set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We must set our minds on the things of the Spirit. See, this is something we have to choose. We can choose to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, or we can choose to set our minds on the things of the flesh. Look at this amazing scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Romans 8, 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So here, God, once again, is giving us a command. This is not a suggestion. He doesn't say, hey, when you can, if possible, try to do this. No, he's saying, look, you're my child. I want you to walk in victory. I want you to be like me in your generation. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. That means there are only two kinds of people in this world. Those who set their minds on the flesh, who are unbelievers. And those who set their minds on the Spirit, who are believers. So those who set their minds on the flesh, live according to the flesh. That describes their spiritual condition. And what is the result? Verse 6 says... Such a mindset leads to death. Verse 7 says they are hostile to God and not subject to God's law. Verse 8 says they are not pleasing to God. That's the spiritual condition of a person who chooses to set their minds on the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit and their lives are characterized, verse 6 says, by life and Peace, by life and peace. Say that with me. Life and peace. Now, what is this life? It's the life of Christ. Remember, God's desire for you. What is God's desire for you? That you be conformed and transformed into the image of His Son. So He says, set your minds on the things of the Spirit and automatically changes are going to take place and you will have the life of my Son, Jesus Christ, in you. Hallelujah. Second, we have peace with God and the peace of God in our lives. So that becomes our destiny. So look at this phrase, set their minds. What does it mean? Set my mind. Set my mind. What does it mean? It means to be completely absorbed with something. Completely absorbed. Have you seen people who have gotten into these uh, computer games? You know, I'm telling you, they have these... Ridiculously powerful uh, computers, this uh, unimaginable screens, and uh, uh, you know they, they get lost in this world. They can be there for ten hours and never know. Time went by. What happened? They set their minds on. They're absorbed in it. They are drawn into it. So that's what God says: to be completely intent, completely and intently focused on something. God says. 
I want you to be so absorbed with my Holy Spirit, with the things of the Spirit, what my Spirit is up to, what the Bible reveals. Be absorbed, be lost in it, be focused on, be intent on being absorbed in the things of the Spirit. So believers who set their minds on the Spirit are enjoying the life of Jesus, they have peace with God, they are experiencing everything that is opposite to somebody who set their minds on, on the flesh. Not only that, when we begin to live like that, <clears throat> the only way we can live like this, let me put it, this, the only way we can live like this is we, if we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now this is a, I cannot emphasize how important it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The sad fact in the Christian church often is people hear about the Holy Spirit at, at benediction or in a song. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will revolutionize your life. It is a gift from God. Now, some people confuse it with the Holy Spirit coming inside you when you are born again. See, when we, when we repent, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, we receive Christ we pray, oh God, forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. How does Christ come in? See, he has a body. He has a glorified body. He's seated on the right hand of God. How does Christ come in? He comes in to us through the Holy Spirit. Now that is separate from being baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you read through the book of Acts... The five instances mentioned about people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is always subsequent to their salvation experience. Only in Cornelius' home was it simultaneous. As they were listening to the word, not only were they saved, but they were baptized, you know, it just went together. But every time it is subsequent and the evidence is speaking in tongues. Now that throws people off. Oh, you know, it's, it just doesn't, you know, sounds kind of spooky out there. No, no, no. If you only knew the joy of speaking in tongues and what it accomplishes, you won't stop speaking in tongues. Because when you are praying in the spirit, the Bible says, no man will understand. So first, let's get rid of that. You know, that's, you know, everybody will think I'm wacky. You're not wacky. God gives you a language that no man will understand. The Apostle Paul very clearly explains that. Now, why does he do that? Remember, in the Tower of Babel, languages were dispersed. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are given a language that unites us. A language that unites us. When a person is speaking in tongues, he's speaking mysteries with God. Amazing conversation is going on with you and God. If you are thinking, you know, I know God is out there. I feel so far away from him. Brother, get filled with the Holy Spirit. You can talk nonstop with God. No charge. <laughs> you know, and the second thing is when you are speaking in tongues, you are declaring the, the great works of God. That's what on the day of Pentecost, all these thousands of people came from so many foreign countries said, they are talking about the wonders of God in my language, in my dialect, in my sub-dialects. They are talking. A miracle was taking place. And, and when you're speaking in tongues, the Spirit of God becomes your prayer partner. How many times you and I have been struggling to pray by ourselves. That is not the plan of God. The Holy Spirit is there to be your prayer partner. He wants to take responsibility for your prayer. 
Come on, when the Holy Spirit starts praying, do you think it will result in a defeat? Absolutely not. So if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's real simple. You've got to hunger for it. Go home, get on your knees and say, Lord God, I'm not leaving you until you baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And then open your mouth, start speaking in tongues. God will give you utterance. It's the most glorious experience you can ever experience. And that is without the... Have you ever seen a person who's not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, heal the sick, cast out demons? Can't do that. You have to have the power of God. That's why Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's so important. I want to encourage you. You know, perhaps a different time I get to come, I may be able to speak a little bit more on that. But I want to encourage you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. To set your minds on the things of the Spirit. We must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Our lives must be governed by the Holy Spirit, controlled, directed by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit who gives us power. Say power. Power. He gives us power. Provides divine ability, ignites, ignites inside us God's desires on which we can set our minds on. We need the Holy Spirit. So to set our minds on the Spirit means living every day dependent upon God, His Word, relying upon the Holy Spirit, rejecting the lies of the devil, His misrepresentation, His confusions, Looking to the scriptures for fellowship with God, divine direction, help, encouragement, listening to the voice of God, obeying the commands of God. All these come under setting your minds on the spirit. It is discovering the amazing irrevocable promises of God, learning to operate in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. The next strategy, we should refuse to give Satan access to our minds. Refuse to give Satan access to our minds. You know, when Jesus came, remember, he tempted Jesus three times, right? After his 40-day fast. How did Jesus respond? Using a short phrase from scripture. So it's the sword. He had a sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and literally thrust the devil three times and he left him alone. Jesus never allowed the devil to have access to his mind. He resisted him. And we are to do the same. When you know the word of God and when the spirit of God is living inside you and the enemy comes with a thought, immediately you will know this is not of God. This is not of God. Because your spirit will be troubled. If it is of God, if when you're dealing with something, a decision making, something is happening, if this is of God, you will have total peace. Even if there is no peace outside, in your heart you will have peace. That's a very good way to discern whether this is of God or not of God. The peace of God. So God is giving us an an understanding. We can refuse to give access to the devil. What does the Bible say? James 4, 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Submit to God. Submit means like a soldier submitting to his commanding officer. We are to submit ourselves like that to God. We can, God cannot be giving us a command and we say, well, you know, I just don't feel right about it. Let me go talk to five people. Brother, the plain reading of the scripture, I'm just, that's all I'm saying. God says it, follow it, obey it. It will result in spectacular miracles. And when we submit, there is a strength. There is a relationship. Heaven is backing you. You can resist the devil. 
What does this resist mean? It's the attitude of a person who's so fiercely opposed to something. You need to be a person who's fiercely opposed to something, determined to do everything within your power to stop it. That is how we resist the devil when he comes against our lives, our marriage, our family, our children, anything that God has put in our sphere of influence. You resist him. And the Bible says he will flee from you. Why is this he flee? Because he knows you have authority over him. And if you exercise your authority, you're binding him. He doesn't want that. He wants freedom. He wants to run around and go and mess up somebody else's life. That's why he's fleeing and get away as far as possible. It's like a criminal, a lawbreaker, fleeing from the police. The minute you submit to God, meaning you submit to what God says regarding a circumstance, and you start resisting him, the devil, and begin to exercise the power of God, he will run. He won't stay and have a conversation or argue with you. He will run. We should be familiar, not with the face of the devil, but with his back. He's always running. And make sure your, your bootmark is on his back. All right. All right. Third, third, uh, we should strengthen our minds for battle. We should strengthen our minds for battle. We should take an offensive position, and we already seen it. Put on the whole armor of God. Three specific things: the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the sword, which is the word of God, and finally, the fourth is the peace. You know, it's the shoes of peace, the preparation of the gospel. All four deal with the word of God. You know, helmet goes over your head. The Roman soldiers, our officers, had helmets that were really an artwork. It was not just a piece of metal. It was beautifully crafted, and it had they had etched, you know, images of uh, animals and uh, landscapes. And people say, you know, in ceremonial type parades, people look at a helmet and keep looking because they were so beautiful to look at. The salvation that God has given each one of us is beautiful. God took somebody who was dead and in sin, in a drowning, in a miry pit, took us out, cleaned us, made us his children, covered us with his righteousness, given us access to him. It is spectacular. Our salvation is spectacular. And when we understand that our mind is being protected, the belt of truth, which is the word of God, you know, in the, in the old times, they wore these flowing uh, garments. And, uh, you know, they were, especially a soldier, when he goes to battle, he has a loose tunic on him. Tightening the belt pulled all the loose edges down. Can you imagine going into a battle with loose clothes all over? Your enemy will get a firm hold of you and run a knife right through you. That's why, you know, our minds, you know, begins to think 10 different ways. When your mind is all over the place, immediately it needs to be tightened with the word of God. That's something we can do. The spirit of God will help us, alert us to that. Your mind is going this way, that way, all sorts of possibilities. And you know, God knows exactly what needs to happen. Tighten your mind. He will, he will actually, it's like he will pick the scripture that you already stored in your heart and will identify that scripture. All you have to do is speak that scripture and ask for its fulfillment. That's tightening the belt so that your, you know, nothing is loose out there for the devil to get a hold of. And the sword of the spirit. Just like Jesus used. 
You use that. Stab the devil. Run it straight through him. Do you know the Romans taught their soldiers not to swing their sword side to side? They taught them stabbing motions, thrusting motions, because they've, they've discovered if you can get a blade in two inches into a person's body, that soldier will be incapacitated. So they wanted to serve energy, but every thrust meant another opponent down. Trust the enemy with the word of God. Don't argue with him. Don't try to reason with him. You know it's the enemy. You know it's the voice of the devil. It's not the voice of your savior. Use scriptures. This is how we, we get ourselves strengthen our mind for battle. And finally, the peace of God. You know, Roman shoes had spikes at the bottom so that they can march in any terrain. The spikes also gave them stability in whatever ground up or down they stood, engaging the enemy combatant. But the spikes were also used by the soldiers to kick their opponent. It'll tear up their muscles and that will incapacitate a person. So the peace of God is a weapon that God's given us to rise up and use it against the enemy. Hallelujah. This is how we strengthen our minds for battle. And finally, we guard our minds. We guard our minds. How do we guard our minds? One, by storing the good thing in the world. There's only one good thing, that is the word of God. We store the word of God and guard our hearts and minds. Second, whenever we are under assault, we need to pray. And the Bible says the peace of God will rise up. It surpasses all of our rational thinking. It stands like a soldier, giving Permission only for those who should come into a place to come. In this case, only the word of God, the promises of God are, comes in. The peace of God stops the lies of the enemy. So God has given us everything to cultivate the mind of Christ so that in our daily lives, we can walk in victory. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> let's stand together for a moment. Lord Jesus, how thrilled we are and excited that we are in your presence. Thank you, Lord God, that you love us with an everlasting love. And thank you, God, for the decision that you've already made to conform us to the image of your son, Jesus. Father God, if we are going to be like Jesus, we need the mind of Jesus. And that's why you said, let this mind be in you. And Lord God, we pray that we will look at the word of God, surrender our lives to you, and allow you, Holy Spirit, to dominate us, control us. I pray, God, for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon all of us every day. That we won't just be happy that we were baptized in the Holy Spirit several years ago. But God, every day, spend some time speaking in tongues. Because that brings the fresh rain of the Holy Spirit upon us. And I pray, God, those, for those who are not filled with the Holy Spirit in this auditorium. Pour your spirit upon them. Baptize them, O oh God, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That their lives, O oh God, will never be the same again. There will be a supernatural strength and ability that will manifest itself in their lives like never before in the name of Jesus. And I pray even now for our minds. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every stronghold that the enemy has established. Whatever is a stronghold, whatever his name is, we don't care. But Lord God, this one thing we know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Pray with me. 
Say, in the name of Jesus. Satan, I rebuke you. God has given me authority over you. I don't belong to you. You have no place in my life. You have no authority to establish strongholds in my mind. In the name of Jesus, I command every stronghold to be broken. Every lie, every falsehood that's taken deep root in my mind, be uprooted right now and removed once and for all. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. My mind will be filled with the all-powerful Word of God. Holy Spirit, I give you complete control of my mind. Direct me. Control me. May I bring you glory and honor every day of my life. Help me, O God, to cultivate the mind of Christ. As the Bible says, as Jesus is, so am I in this world right now. Help me to be more like you every day. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.